there are a lot of different career paths to choose in the maritime industry. Sometimes it can be completely overwhelming. I know that when I graduated from the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy, I wanted to work on cruise ships. Eventually, I made my way over to drill ships. Back then when I graduated, I wouldn't have known that that would be my ultimate path. So with all these different types of vessels to work on, how does someone who's new to the industry figure out what's best for them? At Women Offshore, we like to show opportunity. And today, we're going to talk with a woman who worked on tugboats and ultimately found herself as a pilot in Southeast Alaska. I want you to know about her career because it's a little unconventional. She did not set out to become a pilot, but that's where she ended up. I think that's what's great about this industry is that you never know where you're going to head next. There's so many possibilities out there, and I think you'll be inspired today. This is the Women Offshore Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Cedeno, a mariner and founder of Women Offshore. Women Offshore is an online organization and resource center supporting a diverse workforce on the water. Coming up at Women Offshore in July, specifically July 12th through the 13th, we have our next conference. We call it the Women Offshore Unite Conference because we are literally uniting women from around the world who work on the water to empower each other's careers. We had this conference last year, and this year is going to be so much bigger. We have more sponsors on board, thanks to Transocean, Ensco Rowan, Hornblower, Sea Drill, and Foss. Also a big thanks to Rice University, because that's where we're going to host this conference, at Rice University's Business School. Some highlights will be the opening keynote, Susan Dio, who's the chairman and president of BP America. We're also going to have a panel about what it's like to work as a mom offshore. We're going to talk about challenges, how we overcome them, and share our lessons learned. I'm especially excited that we're going to have a pilot panel. Maritime pilots from around the world are making way to Houston for this conference. Women from Sweden, Nigeria, and India. They're going to talk on a panel about what it took to become a pilot in their countries. As a special listener of the Women Offshore podcast, I want to give you a thank you. You can register now at womenoffshore.org. Go to our menu, click Unite Events. Use the code podcast for 10% off. It's my thank you to you for listening to this show. At the Women Offshore Unite Conference, Captain Claire Lewis is going to speak on that pilot panel as well. She's a graduate of Maine Maritime Academy who grew up in Lexington, Virginia. Captain Lewis graduated from Maine Maritime in 2004 with a bachelor's degree in marine transportation and an unlimited third mate license. After graduation, she worked on the West Coast, specifically on tugboats, towing barges between Alaska and Washington, Oregon, and Canada, and eventually ended up in Valdez, Prince William Sound, Alaska. After a career that spans 14 years on the water, navigating different types of tugboats, Captain Lewis pivoted her career to be a maritime pilot in Southeast Alaska. Today, I welcome Claire on this show to talk about her career, how she decided to become a maritime pilot, and this will give you a sneak peek in what's to come at the Women Offshore Unite Conference. Welcome, Captain Lewis, to the Women Offshore Podcast. Hey, it's great to be talking to you. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Please start out by sharing how you got started in the maritime industry and where you are now in your career. Well, I went to Maine Maritime Academy after high school. Um, graduated from there in 2004, 
and from there I went to work uh, on tugs in Alaska, um, towing a little bit on the West Coast, but mostly uh, Alaska, doing ship assist, escort, towing, all that sort of stuff that you do with big tugboats. And then that contract ended last year, 2018, at which point I suddenly found myself without a job. And I've spent the last six months studying for and then taking the pilot's exam for Southeast Alaska. And then I've just passed it a couple weeks ago. So congratulations. <laughs> thanks. I'm headed towards the, the training program with them at some point in the future. That's great. I definitely want to talk about that. First, I want to capture some of your experiences, though. What is a memorable moment you've had at sea? So this one just happened about two years ago. I was on one of the big ship rescue style sort of tugs the, uh, up there, and we were out towing a barge in just horrendous weather. <laughs> I woke up in the morning to my chief mate knocking on my door. said, hey, Cap, the, uh, the hold down is off of the tow wire, which meant that the hold down is what keeps the tow wire on in one spot, basically, on your back deck. And if it's not there, your tow wire can go just about anywhere between you and the barge. And if it happens to get sideways, that's how you pull the tug over and capsize it. Fortunately, I had a really good crew on board. I jumped out of bed really fast, ended up in the wheelhouse so my crew could go back on, on the deck. And, and they got the tow wire back into the pins and got a new hold down on. And of course, this is, it's blowing probably 80 miles an hour. We've got, oh, I think we had eight to 10 foot seas. We were, we were in inside one of the sound, the sound up there. So it wasn't full sea swell, but it was still pretty, pretty gnarly. Those sort of experiences are the ones that you remember for a long time. Oh, I can imagine. What were some of the thoughts going through your head during that? Were you just so focused on the task at hand that maybe you didn't even have a lot of uh, thoughts other than we just got to get this done? That's pretty much what happened for me. Um, it, there comes a point when you're a captain that you have to learn to rely on your crew. And fortunately, I had a very good one. I had I had a chief mate who had been sailing uh, for a very long time. In fact, he was my chief mate on my very first tug right out of college. When I was still a second mate, I kind of leapfrogged him. The, my engineer was great, and the deckhand out there, they really, they were on it, you know. And so being able to kind of rely on them to get the work done outside so I could keep the boat pointed in the right direction uh, so they could do their job. It's hard to, for some people, myself included, to kind of just let go of some things and trusting your crew to do their job so you can do your job and and vice versa. Once you learn how to do that, and once you can let your crew just take over wherever they are on deck or in the engine room or what have you, it it reduces your stress level quite a bit. You'd be surprised. I, I can imagine that. So I hear some some trends of women who work on the water, working with the crews, the challenging environment. Those are two things that you just touched on, and they really motivate women to have long-term careers on the water. They love the camaraderie they find out on board, and, and they love that challenging, dynamic environment that they find at sea. Would you say that that's what motivates you to work on the water long-term? It's part of it, for sure. I do like a challenge. It helps a lot when you have a crew that you get along with, regardless of their skill level. As If they're good shipmates and you can have a, a professional and, and fun sort of working environment. And it also helps if you have a crew who is professional and fun to work with who's also really good at their job it makes it it makes it really easy to to do your job and it makes you want to come back to working so that i would say that is part of it i also enjoy just the adventure and seeing the world from a different perspective than a lot of people get to see it you know looking at 
looking at the city from the water and not knowing there's a lot of people there who don't get to view it that way, the way that they, they get to look out of their little office buildings every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you graduated from Maine Maritime Academy, you probably had some career goals in mind for yourself. What did that look like and how did they change over the years? I always wanted to work on tugs. That was always my thing. I came out of Maine Maritime with my unlimited license, mainly because it was the easiest just to do that. I was going to be there for four years, might as well come out with the biggest license I can. So I did, just in case I decided to change change the route and go deep sea. And so I ended up working on tugs because I, I do like the very hands-on of driving and you're making breaking tow and all that sort of stuff. And my goal after graduation and, and in the years following it was to be a captain of my own tug. And I worked my way up through the ranks. I started out as a second mate, became a chief mate, became a captain. Not quite as fast as I was just saying it. It took a couple a couple more years. My career goals, they, they didn't very much change until about the last six months. That's when the contract I was working for up there ended and the company that I was working for decided that they didn't need all of us anymore. So a lot of us got laid off, such as life in the maritime industry. But at the same time that that contract ended, the Southeast Alaska pilots announced they were having this test. And I had a couple of people give me some phone calls that said, hey, you should take this test. And I decided, OK, what what the heck? Let's go for it. The worst that could happen is I fail the tests and I go back to driving tugboats. I didn't ever want to be a pilot from day one. I have a couple of friends who were like that, who, you know, freshman year of the academy, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make it through college and I'm going to be a pilot. Like, here I come. Look out. And I was just happy driving my tugboat. Studying for this test was kind of a it was a it was kind of a reroute of my whole career to be honest, I wasn't headed for the pilots until suddenly I was. And that's really exciting. Can you share a little bit about what it took to study? And especially because you hadn't been in school for a while, I imagine that all of a sudden getting on that study train was a little difficult. So what did that look like for you? The pilots list a bibliography of all the books they want you to study for the written exam. And I should preface this by saying every pilot association is different around the country. Some of them have just a written exam. Some of them have just simulator. Some of them have both. There's all kinds of combinations of that you might have to go through. But for the one that I took, it starts out with a written exam and they give you just a list of books to read. It's about 40 different books, everything from Bowditch to uh, the Merchant Marine Officer's Handbook to things about towing and weather and their CFRs and the rules of the road and it just snowballs, really. There's a lot of information. Fortunately, I had the time to sit and read and I had the time to make notes and go over them. So it was just it was about eight hours a day for the last couple of months before the the test there that I was just had my nose in the books. Uh, Southeast also does a simulator portion for their exams. So I spent some time in the simulator with uh, my study buddies to get prepped for that because it is a bit of a different. If you've taken a NAV assessment, it's very similar as far as having to get your simulated ship from point A to point B and being graded on your performance. And there was a lot of information, both in the written and getting ready for the simulator, that I had kind of forgotten since school. <laughs> so I went through the unlimited program in school, but there's a lot of stuff when you're doing tugboats that you don't use that you would use on a big ship. And a lot of it is honestly just how you run your wheelhouse slash bridge, whatever you call it. On tugs, uh, BRM, Bridge Resource Management, is a lot of times it's just you. It's you, You're doing everything on your own, just in your head. And then when you go to a big ship, you have a helmsman, you have a mate, you have whoever else in the wheelhouse with you. And 
you need to talk to them a lot, you know, tell them what you're thinking, tell them what we're doing. And it's that was a big uh, hurdle for me to try and get over just getting used to not doing anything, everything just by myself. Well, it sounds like you worked very hard to pass the exam and you put in a lot of time and Again, congratulations. I'm excited to see how that goes for you and refer to you as a a full-fledged pilot pretty soon. What advice would you give a woman or a man emerging into the industry, especially if they want to become a pilot? Start studying right now. (laughs) (laughs) Go get the books. Start studying now. Um, And actually, one of the things that I did that helped was I went back and I got my notes from college. I dug them out of storage. So for those of you who are still in school, don't throw that stuff out after you're done. If you think you might need it in the future, you know, hang on to it, consolidate it if you need to, or these days, you know, scan it, go take it to a Kinko's and get it all scanned and stuff. But um, it it took a lot of prep to, to get here. And if you want to be a pilot someday, for sure, make sure you're a building your professional library, keeping your notes and, and starting to, you know, re- retain that sort of knowledge because there, it is a bit of a hill if you don't, uh, if you lose a lot of it, like I did. <laughs> no, I understand completely with that. And that's great advice to just hold on to your notes and you can scan it, put it on a USB or a cloud and yeah, you don't have to worry about moving it around as your life moves around over the years. Absolutely. So that's really good advice. And Claire, I am so glad that you came on the podcast today. Thank you for sharing your career. And again, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Women Offshore podcast. This has been episode 13. On the next episode, you and I are going to hear from a woman who's a second officer in the United States Merchant Marine. She's going to share with us her career and what she does in her off time. To those of you listening from the Women Offshore community, I'll give you a hint. She's obsessed with crawfish. Until next time, stay safe out there and I'll talk to you soon.